Zakawani, the flying winger. Oh, goodness me! He doesn't mean anybody, Steve Zakawani! Steve Zakawani was never fun <laughs> to stick up against. Was it for Zakawani? None of this is possible. It's Steve! It's Steve! <laughs> this is so weird. Steve Zakawani! What's up, everyone? Steve Zakawani here. Winging it with Zakawani coming to you live from Pioneer Square. Not quite live, but you know what I mean. Great weekend for the Sounders. Really great weekend. A really, really tough game against a really, really good team. And those are the kind of wins, I think, that shift momentum in terms of your mindset. It gives you belief that you can really, really have a special season. People gave Sounders the credit for the good start, but the criticism was we've not played anyone really that strong or anyone that's going to contend for MLS Cup. Toronto, by the looks of it, will be one of the top teams in the East again. And the Sounders definitely look like they'll be one of the top teams in the West. We're also going to preview very briefly the LAFC game. It's a game I'm looking forward to. Playing them twice in a week, pretty much. It's going to be very tough because that's a really, really good team. But the thing I'm most excited about is Marcus Hanneman, my friend. Um, we know him, know him here in Seattle, in Washington, a legend of the sport. Um, will be joining us for an extended interview on the podcast. Must begin with what took place this weekend. That five-minute span was just incredible, incredible football. I think it was like three goals in such a short span. But what I like that the Sounders did this weekend is they were tested. We hadn't faced yet a true number 10 playmaker. And I was always nervous that when the Sounders meet a Diego Valeri, a Carlos Vero, Piatti, those true game changers without Osvaldo Alonso, it's going to be very tough. And on one hand, to an extent, I was proven correctly. Because Pozuelo, listen, the two assists he had, I, I can do a podcast on just that. The precision, the vision, finding the passes. The happiest man in MLS right now is Josie Altino. Because I think he has four goals on the season and each one has been assisted, pinpoint, by Pozuelo. Looks to be a tremendous pickup. The second assist especially. I was standing pretty much right behind that on the pitch and I didn't see the pass. I know I'm old now and pretty much washed up at this point, but I could see a pass or two in my day. I didn't see that one. I don't know how he saw it. The precision to actually play into stride for Altidore. It's just you cannot coach that. And that's quality that I don't care which team they're on. I love to see that kind of quality in MLS. And when he got loose and found these spaces, he gave the Sounders real problems. That's the one area where I really think Osvaldo Alonso is going to be missed. And I was waiting to see that in a real game. And you can see. You have to shut those kind of players down because those kind of players win games on their own. And he would have won TFC the game, except this is a really, really good Seattle Sounders team. A really good team. Some of the stuff on that left-hand side, listen, man. Brad Smith, Victor Rodriguez, when Nico goes over there and they're playing the little overload, 3v2, 2v1, it's just incredible to watch, man. I, sometimes I forget I'm doing my job and supposed to be watching the game to analyze it because I just become a fan because I'm just enjoying so much. Of course, I look out for the wing play more than anything, but particularly, we've seen it on the right-hand side too, but on the right-hand side, it's more Kelvin Leardam supporting Jordan from behind. Jordan's much more direct. On the left, you're getting a lot of combinations, one-twos, given goals, and teams just can't handle it. 
they can't deal with it. When Brad Smith's on form and, you know, they gave him one assist, but I'm going to give him two because that first cross took a little deflection, but that's an assist because he was trying to pinpoint the ball to Will Bruin. Um, and as much as Pozuelo had two great assists, so did Brad Smith. And it's at a point now where when he gets into a wide area, if you're a striker, you just got to break your neck and get into the box because he's pretty much seven, eight times out of ten, he's going to put a really good ball in and pick you out. So Brad Smith, again, was incredible. Wilburin coming in and getting two goals. Another question mark we had on the team was the depth. But if Raul Rui Diaz can miss a game, that assassin, that killer in the box, and the team still scores three goals, it's an amazing sign for Brian Schmetz's team. So all in all, a great weekend. Of course, you always want to keep a clean sheet, but you're never going to stop great players completely. They kept him quiet for large parts of the game, Pozuelo and Altidore, but the moments they did have, they produced magic. But what was good is that the sound is firepower overpowered TFC. That's a very, very good sign. I like where this team is at. But the big test now is on the road away at a team like LAFC, a team that's not going to sit back. LAFC believe they are better than the Sounders. Bob Bradley believes he's the best coach in the league. They're going to come right at the Sounders and I cannot wait to see this matchup. Stay tuned. When we come back, Marcus Hanneman will be joining me. And then after that, we'll be giving a quick short preview of the LAFC game. And hopefully, we'll be back here next week celebrating three points. Number eight, and the practice is paying off for the 22-year-old Sounders rookie keeper. I've just been playing so long, and the big thing about goalkeeping is confidence. Starting with his college career, where he was a three-time All-American at Seattle Pacific University, and led the Falcons to the 1993 NCAA Division II title. And now, Marcus carries his winning ways to the professional level. He's a good, he's a good keeper, this kid. Marcus Animates, good, good, good goalkeeper. I'll make the big time, this kid. Welcome back, Winging It with Zakawani. I'm joined for the first time by my good friend, Sounders, original Sounders, way back in the day, and new Sounders, and in between, all over the EPL, Marcus Hanneman. What's up, Marcus? Hey, how's it going? And by the way, I'm not completely original. Like, that was Schmetzer and like Bernie James, right? Way back. I was like second generation original. I'm looking right here at your Wikipedia, and I want to know if you can list in order all the teams you played for. Beginning with the Seattle Sounders in okay. 94, it says. Yeah. Well, Seattle Pacific University. Okay. Yep. Uh, Seattle Sounders. Yep. Colorado Rapids. Yep. Right? Fulham. Yep. R- Rochdale on loan. Good. I thought you were going to miss yeah. that one. Good. Reading on loan. Yep. Then back to Fulham. Yep. Right? With Jean Tigana. Yep. And, uh, and then I signed for Reading that, that summer. Yep. Uh, end of the summer. Albeit after the ITV digital collapse, so I had to I pay Reading to take me, right? <laughs> but I was playing there. That was an awesome team. They had a great thing, and they had a Starbucks that was just, a, a, not a star, Starbucks as well, but they had a, a Costco that was just opening up right next to the stadium. <laughs> so that was like our second family. Um, and then I went to, uh, to Wolves. Yep. And, uh, and then to Everton, and then back to Seattle. Wow, perfect. Yeah, well, and then <laughs> FTI. So then I've come back and I'm now playing FTI <laughs> over 40s. They're waiting for the over 50s. Yeah. I love it. Um, do you remember the first time you played soccer? Like the first time you played? Or how old roughly you were when you started? Yeah, I mean, I've got some silly picture with like I've got some white knee pads on, you know, like me and my sister. It was, it was uh, uh, 
Renton uh, football club or Renton soccer club or something like that. My dad was the president. And oh, wow. Yeah, he coached and just up in the Renton Highlands. Did you start playing on the pitch or right away in goal? Uh, mainly in goal. And like, oh, really? Because uh, my dad was the coach, so I had to go play in goal. <laughs> and it was, but it was always half and half. Okay. What position on the pitch? Um, normally up front. That's where you kind of gravitate to, yeah, right? If you're the goalie, because you're like, I want to, I want to score, <laughs> right? And you end up having a somewhat a pretty good understanding of where to be, yeah. right, at yeah. the right time. Yeah. Was it for you always going to be soccer, or growing up, like a lot of American kids, were you doing other sports as well, and it just happened to be I'm really good at soccer? Yeah. Well, so my parents immigrated from Germany, so yeah. they, yeah, my dad yeah, yeah. knew more about soccer than everybody. So then we started playing soccer. But then in the springtime, we're playing t-ball, and you know, with all the neighbor kids, and we yeah. played baseball, and. But when you get into high school here, especially in, in Washington, right, you have to choose because yeah. soccer is what is in the spring here. Yeah. yeah. So then um, I had to choose. And I was a pretty good baseball player and then went to uh, – um, but when you get into high school, so junior high, I played baseball, basketball, and football. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was terrible at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of try to boycott basketball altogether. When they're talking about bringing a team in here, I'm like, I don't want a <laughs> basketball team. Just a reminder of how bad I used to be at something. Um, but we still go play uh, basketball with some of the guys and, you know, at lunchtime, and it's, it's pretty fun, you know, to play. Um, but when I got into high school, I ended up starting for the varsity team and, um, when I was a freshman. And now all of a sudden you're like, man, I want to go skiing. I want to do all these other things. Yeah. So I kind of that it soccer really chose me okay. at that stage. When yeah. you were in high school, were you thinking I want to go pro one day? Was no. that you weren't thinking that, right? No. no, there was no pro team around, right? Yeah. It was the only thing that was around was the Tacoma Stars, really, right? And it was like, yeah, it's not really like it is now, yeah. right? Where yeah. you go, oh yeah, there is a uh, the next step, yeah. right? I mean, I was just thinking go to college. I okay. mean. I took my ASVABs to go to the Marine Corps. I always wanted to fly helicopters, and yeah. that's what I was. That was my path. I was going on. Oh, I wanted wow. to fly. Yeah. And then, um, so I figured. Uh, well, next thing you know, SPU came calling, and I didn't. You know, it was SPU or UW, and yeah. SPU Cliff wanted me to play, and I'm thinking, okay, in and out in four years, and you know, a really good program, and you know, as soon as Cliff talked to my parents, came in the house, it was like game over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He is an absolute legend. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And. Uh, I don't even know what he's talking about half the time, but it's funny and you're <laughs> laughing and like and everybody like it's just like a ton of people are sitting around him. I love it. It's like story time. Yeah. And uh, and then next year I'm at SPU, right? How, and, how was that experience playing in college for you? Um, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, well, one, I have to say that because I met Amanda there, right? <laughs> you have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but obviously the best part of my life, right? If, you know, if I didn't go there and, yeah. you know, Amanda didn't go there, I mean, it, you know, we have a great relationship and yeah. um, we got two great kids and, you know, we've had an awesome time and everything I've accomplished, I don't know if I could have done that without her, without right. her support along right. the way. And, you know, moving to England and, yeah. you know if I was not married and happily married when I moved to England, who knows what would have happened yeah, after yeah, a couple yeah. of months because yeah. it, yeah. it was a crazy place. Yeah. <laughs> it was a crazy place. So you're done at SPU. Um, what happens next um, soccer-wise for you? Um, well, we finished, won the final four, mm-hmm. and I hadn't skied for a while. So me and okay. Todd Stauber, we took off and went to his brother. His brother was worked as a chef at Snowbird in okay, Utah. Wow. Okay. And like the only place I've ever skied is like Snoqualmie Pass at Hayak. And, <laughs> and now all of a sudden I'm at Snowbird, right? And we're like, oh, this is awesome. And um, so, th- and then that was it. That was the last time I skied until I, we came back here. But 
I was like, this is what I want to do. And at that stage, I kind of really tar- started to take, you know, soccer seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the timing in my career, everything that's happened, it's been really remarkable. All of a sudden, the Sounders are starting back up. So yeah. guess what? We've had a lot of really good goalies come through the area. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, whatever the case may be, me and Dusty Hudock, who are both seniors, he was at UW, I was at SPU, get picked up by the Sounders because we're the ones who are, have been playing, like, yeah. really full-time. Wow. And that was it. There's, you know, and, and then I played, Dusty played, we shared half the time, and next thing you know, the team, when I played, the team played well, we won, and that was it. Yeah. And, and then, just kind of rode that the whole time, and we had a great, great team. And from there to Colorado Rapids. Yeah, so they, well, you know, when the MLS came in, it was like they kind of kept us out, right? That was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole MLS thing, yeah. right? Don't even get, I don't even want to go down that road, right? <laughs> um, and, so it was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? And I had another year left of my contract and played here, but everybody was kind of going to the MLS. It was better. And uh, Chris Woods broke his leg at, in Colorado, mm. so then they needed somebody. And I'm like, Colorado seems like a pretty good fit for me, right? Yeah. You know, the fishing, the outdoor lifestyle, yeah. you name it. And um, it was amazing, you yeah. know. Um, and went to a pretty good team. Henderson was there, yeah. you know. Uh, Sean Henderson, his brother, yeah. uh, Marcelo Balboa, and you know, um, yeah. it was a it was a really good team. Had a really good group of people. Paul Bravo, yeah, Peter Vermees, were all on that team, right? Yeah. It was uh, it was an amazing team. Yeah, here's why I find you so fascinating because I grew up in England and you've lived there, so you know, like football, it's it's like it's bigger than a religion. It's you grew up as a kid, it's drummed into you. If you have any kind of talent, you need to make it. When I was nine, ten years old, playing in the Arsenal Academy, it was like at nine years old, dreaming to go pro, 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 and very few actually make it to the EPL or that level and play a lot of games. You're kind of like, eh, I was going to go to the army. I was enjoying myself. I went skiing. And yeah, you went further than most people actually end up going. When you look back on your career, do you, some, do you realize how great of a career you had? Or for you, was it just, I was taking it day by day? Um, I knew what was going on. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, and, and I knew I was the luckiest person alive yeah. because of... And every step along the way, right, it was like, okay, this is, this is my level. Yeah. Well, okay, I can, I can deal with this. Well, what's the next part, right? And then I got a, a taste of the national team, right? Yeah. So now when I was playing with the old Sounders, and it was like just after 94 World Cup, you know, Casey Friedel, um, they went back to England. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, so I played a few games. And I was man of the match against Trinidad's Honduras team. And I'm like, this is awesome, <laughs> right? This is, I mean, just incredible to put on – um, that jersey, hear the national yeah. anthem, right? And, you know, I wanted to go in the military. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the old USA chants, I mean, that means something to me, right? Yeah. And, the, and everything. And um, I'm like, I was blown away by it. Well, then all of a sudden, Casey and Friedel come back. And, yeah. and then <laughs> I don't see, I, don't, I can't play, right? Because I can't get in the team, you know? And you're like, well, that's what I want to do. So I did everything in my power to go, okay, what's the next What's the next thing? And, yeah. and that's the beauty about sports, whatever it is, whatever you're into, is there's always something. Yeah. There's that next level, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. and, I mean, and even Messi probably thinks this, right? <laughs> you know, he's probably going, well, I still want to be able to do this. Yeah, and if he doesn't want to do that, right, then you just come kind of stagnant, and then everyone else catches up, yeah. right? And, you know, now I coach a lot of the goalkeepers and do the things, and you're trying to get that through these kids' heads. I go, this is not it at under 12, you're playing on the best team for this club. Yeah. This is not it, That's right? More. Next year, everyone's going to want to play here. 
Yeah. Right. You're not going to find yourself on a team unless yeah. you keep wanting to grow yeah. and keep looking at these older kids. And, and so we do a, like these goalie, you know, our, our goalie practices where you can train with the older kids. Yeah. This is the best we have. Right. This is your goal. Right. Mm. And then if you're there, what guess what they're looking at? They're looking at the college level yeah. or the pro level, you know, yeah. all those different things to to take it to the next level and the, the ability to always improve. Yeah. Right. Is, is I think one of the reasons why that, you know, a lot of athletes, um, like golf, yeah. right. You know, is they end up because they're one, they're kind of a little bit, not bored, but like with soccer, you train in the morning and you can't really go do anything, right. but you go, Oh, I'll go hit some golf balls for a little bit. And then you just get bitten by this bug. And it's another kind of competitive thing that can draw you in yeah. with, so you focus on that without thinking about all the pressures from the outside. And, yeah. dude, I just let in seven at Portsmouth. And, you know, I'm like, I'm going golfing, right? And then we could talk about, you know. Is that a true story? Seven at Portsmouth? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, remember, I don't remember many of my games, right? But this is why, as a goalkeeper, you don't remember stuff. And forwards, you go, oh, I remember I hit that great shot. Every single game. Yeah. Oh, and I hit that great cross, right? You're like, are you kidding me? Uh, Goalies, they want to forget everything. Yeah. Because most of it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you remember there's not many good things like there's like bad stuff right? oh man I, I could be wrong here but when i think of marcus Hanneman's career i remember being in england i knew kc i used to watch you a bit because i was a big arsenal fan and when reading came up i think reading for me is like the highlight when i think back on your career because not only were well, you playing a ton you played you know, 300 games or more for them but that team was really really good um, with yeah. Steve Kopp as the manager so tell us a bit about what that team achieved and what made it so good and how was it to play on that kind of team it was an amazing team. Yeah. I mean, one, we had some really good players, right? Yeah. But we knew we had some bad players, too, <laughs> right? And, but, it, you know, it's like, uh, um, you know, Cruyff says, so, you know, a reporter asked him, they go, did you play your best 11? And he goes, no. He goes, what do you mean you didn't play? He goes, I can't play my best 11 because I need a goalkeeper and I need defenders, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? I need someone to catch the ball and four idiots to kick people, right? I mean, so it's like, I don't think that's what he said, but that's kind of how the, I had to. The, the it. Marcus yeah. remix. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, but we had such a really good mix and we had this desire to achieve something, right? Yeah. And we were not making a lot of money, yeah. right? I mean, we were making good money, but we right. weren't making a lot of money. And mm-hmm. the club's like, look, if we get here, we will take care of you. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so we were like, how do we do this? Right. And we had a good Irish contingency. We had, um, Koppel, who was a great manager. Yeah. Right. That's the first thing. Right. Is yeah. you need. And then you had Kevin Dillon, Wally Downs, and then Nikki Hammond, Sal Bippo. Right. That kind of hmm. brought the whole team together. And but we were going for one particular goal as a unit, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's, you could think of all these little quotes that they came up with, you know, there's nothing, you can't tell what we can, or how, what we can accomplish right. if n- nobody bothers who takes credit for it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I butchered yeah. that one too, but <laughs> I'm going to butcher everything. At least we're not recording this, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we can edit it later and yeah, put it yeah, in print. Because yeah. um, it was a really good quote <laughs> when someone else said it. Um, but I think you get what I'm saying, right? I do. <laughs> yeah. So then um, Steve Koppel uh, uh, mm-hmm. brought in Stephen Hunt to yeah. play for Bobby Convey. Yeah. Right? Bobby Convey had a terrible, terrible first year yeah. with, with Reading. And then he was rumored to go to Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. And then we're playing um, Tottenham in a preseason game. 
And all season, I'm like, Bobby, look, this is England. You have to slide for those balls that are going. He goes, dude, I, I'm not a good tackler. He goes, I, doesn't, I don't care if you're good or not. This, but you're expected to do that yeah. in England. And he was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm a good soccer player, right? And, you know, didn't really play that year, right? Yeah. And then we're playing this preseason game and against Tottenham. So yeah. Bobby's all wound up, right? <laughs> Literally, the ball goes out, hits the signage already, right? It's coming back into play. What do I see? Here comes Combi <laughs> sliding, right? He slides and this like scissor, t- and I'm like, the ball's already hit the boards. It's so far out. And here comes Combi, right? Amazing. You know what the crowd did? USA, USA, USA. Bobby started every game that year. (laughs) That was the difference. And so Stephen Hunt was brought in to substitute or to take the place of Bobby Convey. So, well, this is our team from last year, right? This, you earn your spot. Everything was earned, right, on this thing. Well, so Bobby starts playing. And Bobby and Nicky Shorey, they had a really good – Bobby would come inside, right, draw a defender. Nicky Shorey got inside. We have 25 crosses from that side, Mm -hmm. right? And then at 60 minutes – Right? What do they do? He pulls Bobby Combi out, puts Stephen in Stephen Hunt. Hunt. Yeah. Now Stephen Hunt is the little rat, right, running yeah. around like crazy. The teams are just, they just were mortified, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, God, now I, this idiot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, so now he's running around like crazy, and we just destroy teams, yeah. right, on that formula. You know, it was just the formula that worked. Yeah. And why change something? Yeah. Right? Even though Stephen Hunt was supposed to be the guy, but this is how it worked. Yeah. You know, and just those tiny little little formulas. And, you know, me and Mertz, right, were really tight. He was yeah. the right back and the captain and, um, you know, all those things. But we, we ended up with 106 points in the championship, wow. right, and the ability to keep going. And we lost our first game. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's impressive, really impressive. Um, how did you find living in England? Like, what was your life like in England on a day-to-day basis? Because, you know, being obviously, I don't know how Seattle was then, but going to England, it's a big change, obviously, at that time. How was your life in England? That was awesome. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, we, uh, um, we lived in Wimbledon Village. We could oh, wow. walk to the yeah. tennis courts. Yeah. Right? So in the summertime at preseason, we'd walk down and get some tickets and go watch some tennis. And, you know, it was, um, it was awesome. Yeah. Had a Starbucks in the, uh, <laughs> um, in the village, right? Which is, at the time, this is 1999, it yeah. was not like it was, it is now, right? There was no Costco. There was only one Costco in England. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We wanted to get peanut butter like American peanut butter, we had to drive to Watford. Oh, wow. Which is just on the other side of the city, but it's like <laughs> yeah, a three-hour yeah. drive, right? Watford, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So then, you know, all those little different things, right, matter. And, um, and we're like, oh, this is kind of a cool little super trendy spot. They had wine bars and cool bars. And I want to show a couple of things. One, when did you officially meet Casey? Like, you guys, you know, obviously similar paths in a sense you're both from here goalkeepers like when did you guys actually when did you first either hear about Casey Keller or meet Casey Keller uh, it was the state team way back then yeah like 14, 15 oh wow and Dutra was there too right wow went all three of us idiots yeah. together again right? <laughs> so it was uh, uh, it was it was pretty fun and then but Casey was on that youth national team he was on that path right okay so it's like, oh, okay, you know, that's that, Casey's on a slightly different path, right? You talk to him; he's got different yeah, stories, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because at you know, at a young age, he's playing on the regional team. Yeah. He, I got cut from the state team when I was seventeen. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a slightly different paths, right? Yeah. Which is just normal. Yeah. And um, and then I kept getting better, right? As I got up, and mm-hmm. you know, kept watching Casey, and then I played against Casey because he went to University of Portland. Yeah. So we played with him at SPU. Yeah. And you know, they never beat us up here on the turf. 
Okay. That's who he goes. It's the turf. It's the turf. <laughs> but they would smoke us when we go down to Portland. They were they were a really good team. But it was that was kind of like, oh my god, it's Casey Keller, and it was yeah. like you know it was a big game for those guys, yeah. right? For us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, of all the ex-pros that I know and that I'm friends with, what I know of, I think you live the most interesting life. You came here today on your motorcycle. You fly planes. You have a treehouse. You have a cabin. Yeah. Like, just tell us a snapshot of your life now, kind of day to day. I don't think you have a daily schedule. I would doubt that. But just your life in general. What's Marcus Hanneman's life like now in retirement? Well, uh, I can tell you what I'm working on. Yes. Right now. So I'm still working at Redap. Go right, ahead. doing yeah. some sales because, like, we're in a techie industry, right? Yeah. So I got yeah. so many friends who are tied into that, and yeah. um, I don't want to see them get ripped off. So I want you know them to work with with yeah. Redat because my buddies, my best friends from junior high, yeah. own that company, yeah. right? And I want to make sure my friends are taken care of. That's okay. what that's what I'm like. Okay. Um, we got our cabin up in the mountains. Amanda's doing commercial real estate. She's killing it, right? Absolutely loves it. She is yeah. super happy. And I'm like, let's move to the cabin because now our kids are both at Central University. Yeah. Yeah. We, like, sell everything, move up there. And she goes, no, no, I really like my job. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. So, because um, I could easily come down yeah. and drive down for, for the games and do all that stuff. Yeah. But the kids are up there. Austin's in flight, uh, flight school up there in the yeah. flight program. Hunter's taking flight lessons. He wants to fly. Yeah. Um, I got my instrument rating last fall. I'm working on my commercial right now. So mm-hmm. I want to I fly. Yeah. The, the goal is by this summer that I'm flying for Northwest Seaplanes. Wow. Doing commercial flights this summer. I asked you the furthest flight you've taken in your plane. You said you went to Boise, yeah. Idaho. And then you had a hilarious story. Because I said, I, want, I kind of want to get up there with you, but I'm also a little bit nervous. And you said you took Josh Ford oh. up there. It was, I wish I wish I had video of it. It was so Tell awesome. Tell us that. That story was hilarious. Yeah. So Josh is like, do you, I go, oh, I'm going flying. He goes, can I come? I'm like, yeah, sure. So Josh is like all giddy and super yeah. excited. And we start taking off down the runway and we get up about a hundred feet. He just looks at me. He goes, you know, I'm scared of heights, right? And I'm just <laughs> laughing, right? And he's like, uh, and then we, we turn up and then I go, okay, Josh, your turn. You got the you got the yoke. He goes, what do you mean, yoke? He go, I go, the steering wheel thing. He goes, you got that. You're flying. He goes, uh-uh. And I go, you're flying. I just let go. And, like, plane, like, slowly starts to, it'll stay state for a second, but all of a sudden it just starts oh, to go. And I, I go, you better do something quick. And it start, <laughs> the bank starts to get a little bit steeper. So Josh just grabs it. He goes, what do I, he goes, just roll the wings level. And he rolls, he goes, oh. And the, the smile he had on his face. And we had so much fun, right? We went out there and we kind of doing some stuff. And he goes, oh, and, you know, we did the, uh, it's always fun when you got, you know, guys are really scared of flying. You yeah. don't want to do the old, the, uh, you don't want to pull the power back to do a simulated engine failure and yeah, show yeah. them what it's like. Yeah. But you, you usually have to, right? <laughs> especially with guys, because people are all really freaked out. Yeah. And, and in a, like in my little Cessna, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've got some good mods on there. I got the sportsman yeah. kit and a couple things, right? And yeah. the VG. So it flies pretty freaking slow. Mm-hmm. So you pull the power back and people are like freaking out. And then they're like, Wait, and then you just keep trimming back and you get back to about, you know, 70 knots. And they're like, what, that's it? Yeah. Like, and you're just kind of coming down. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, we could just do this all the way down. We find a field and we land. It's like no big deal. And they're like, oh, well, that was easy, <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, so, but we are going up and we're going to film that. We have to film that. Yeah. I'm really scared, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. You left that one for when Josh Ford said to you, he's scared of heights. I think you say me too. Yeah, I, yeah, I am too. Yeah, I am, I am as well. <laughs> Just what you want to hear your pilot say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, no, I'm not like scared of being high. I'm scared of falling to the ground, right? Which seems logical, yeah, right? Yeah. When I stand on the edge of a cliff, right? I'm scared. Mm-hmm. 
because yeah. I don't want to fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I agree. Oh, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, and like when we go skiing in Austin, you know, we'll, we'll go in the back country up at Alpentaw, and yeah. we're standing on some cliff, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm not sure I really like this. And Austin <laughs> just right up to the edge, or he'll come right behind me. I'm like, get away from me. <laughs> I love it. For all the stuff you do, you're still a guy who knows a ton about football, obviously. So let me end with one actual soccer question. Um, this 2019 Sounders team, how good can they be? Pretty good. The starting 11, yeah. I think it's one of the best I've seen, right? I agree. I mean, aside from having me and Casey and Gold and <laughs> flying down one side, right? Yeah. Um, but it is a really good yeah. team, yeah. right? I mean, and, you know, we don't have a Dempsey yeah. per se, right? Or Oba, one, yeah. yeah, you know, but... Yeah. Ooh, up top. I mean, he scores goals, right? Yeah. And everyone's a little bit different. You know, how those pieces fit together, right? It's, it's, the, it's the puzzle. It's the chess match, right, that the coach gets to try to figure out. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, I like the way the team is, right, um, and the way they've come out. And, you know, we all watched preseason. Yeah. And it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that exciting because yeah. we had, you know, and they're going through the team, but you don't know how it's all going to come together at the yeah. end, Right. Good thing Schmetzer had a better plan than we did, right? <laughs> or a vision of how it was all going to come out. Because the first game, it was we were we were jumping up and down. I was loving it, right? It's, yeah. it's been really exciting soccer, right? Yeah. And that's what I want to see because I grew up on the first, uh, not the original original Sounders, <laughs> okay. the original Sounders, right? Yeah. yeah, back in the '90s, and we were playing a Memorial Stadium, right? In the beginning, we had three thousand, and playoffs we'd get ten thousand or whatever, mm-hmm. and. Um, I mean, century link yeah. and like the amount of fans they get and all this stuff. And uh, it's absolutely amazing. And to yeah. do that, you have to play exciting soccer. Yeah. Right. You have to give something to the fans. And, yeah. and the fans, you know, if you miss a pass, right, they get it that we don't have Messi on the field. Right. 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 But they expect you to work your butt off. Yeah. Right. And if you can't do that, then they're like, well, yeah. You know, they get, they get a little bit frustrated. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember when Casey came back. Uh, first year, and my parents are like, oh, hey, do you think we should get season tickets? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I go, well, just call Casey when you want to go, and we'll get some <laughs> tickets. And my mom's like, well, they've already sold 25,000 season tickets. I go, what? You need to buy some season <laughs> tickets. Because it was like the yeah. – how the city has embraced the yeah. soccer team has been unbelievable, yeah. Yeah. right? And I don't want any of that to be lost, yeah. right, on anything. Yeah. And um, it's been – truly a blessing you know and now you see we set the blueprint up for how it's supposed to be right and now you look at some of these newer teams right yeah especially at, atlanta atlanta yeah, yeah you're like yeah oh my gosh this is yeah. this is awesome the way that has has happened yeah, and i agree you know it's but without us i don't know if that happens Mm-mm. you know and they've seen what we can do and and doing yeah. it doing it right and yeah. you know i played in colorado and you know we played in mile high stadium which was great and we all went out after the games and we went out to bars downtown and it was it was pretty cool and now you know they play out you know in yeah. soccer city it's, you know it's hard to get the fans out there and yeah. you know it's it doesn't have the same feel that as you play in the city yeah. here yeah right and playing on turf is that the best no but playing in the city is yeah. right because that's what it's about. Yeah. Love it. We'll talk to Marcus all day. The man, the myth, the legend. Marcus Hanneman, thanks for joining me, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Chance to call Smith. Gets it to the middle. Yeah! Hassan is a level. Smith with a delicious delivery. And Will Brown does the rest. And this one's going to work out. Smith here behind. The cross. Two attacking air. Adrenaline. 
goes down early, comes storming back. And they remain undefeated and take away that undefeated tag from Toronto as well. What a performance and a big three points. Thanks again to Marcus Hanneman for joining me. One of the most entertaining people anywhere that I've met in my life. Um, I could talk to Marcus all day, all day, never get tired, talk about any subject. Um, so it was really, really fun to have him on. Would love to get him back on again at some point. That was really, really good. LAFC this weekend, quick preview. Listen, the big three things. Number one, I love watching the great playmakers, the great number 10s. They all kind of do it in their own way. Pozuelo's more of a true traditional number 10, sits underneath the striker, finds little pockets. He's not going to go by you and dribble by you. He's going to get the ball and look for the pass. Sort of in the Nico Lodero vein without the movement. Nico's all over the pitch. Pozuelo tends to stay a lot more central. But this number 10 on the weekend, Carlos Vera, he's a different animal altogether because he can get the ball, put it down, drive out you. He starts on the wing, very high, but he comes inside, finds the ball. They look for him. They like to play through him. And what scares me about him is, one, he seems to score or assist in every game. And when a player has that kind of confidence, I'm telling you, as a former attacking player, maybe I went 10 games, I didn't score a goal. The goal gets really, really small. And every time you get the ball, you think, oh, it's not going to go in. And then you have sometimes when you can't miss and the goal seems really, really big and the ball sometimes hits you on your knee and it just goes in. Everything's going for you. He seems to be in that vein of form where he's going to always find a way to impact the game. And that makes me a tiny bit nervous. It worries me a little bit. He's a really, really, really tremendous player. And that's someone the Sounders have got to keep quiet this weekend. If he runs riot, that team has the potential to put a few goals on anybody. Anybody. Number two, you never want to let a team become your bogey team. Sounders haven't beaten LAFC. I know they've only played twice. I think it's two times. Both were 1-0 defeats. The first game, the Sounders played a very weakened lineup and still dominated. And the second one, I think, was a defensive error that led to the goal. I get that. But still, if LAFC beats the Sounders, they're going to be looking, look, we played this team three times in our history. We beat them three times. They can't beat us. You don't want that. You want to put a stop to that ASAP this weekend, this Sunday, would be a great time to start that. It's going to be tough because you have to win the midfield battle, which I think the Sounders will win. I've watched LFC enough this season. The midfield, they're a team who they don't really care about defending that much. They want to go at you. The midfield is going to be wide open. I put my money on Nico, Christian, Gustav. I assume that's the three that will be out there. I think the Sounders will dominate the midfield. I don't see LAFC midfielders dominating that trio. I just don't see it. But it's what they do in the final third. They're a team who says, you're going to score three, we're going to score four. You're going to score three, we're going to score five. They're okay with that. They can live with that. That's the danger. Number three, I'll be watching the benches. Schmetzer versus Bradley. Two great tacticians. I love the mind of Brian Schmetzer. Bob Bradley is a guy who's well-traveled. He's come back with new ideas. He's implementing them really well this year. You can see what he's trying to do. It's working. So seeing which coach outwits the other coach makes a little trick, um, changes a little something, makes a little tweak. They're going to be it's gonna be a chess match this game. It's going to be who's going to craft something that they have, the other coach hasn't seen before, wasn't prepared for. And these two, they're very competitive. They're going to be trying to prove that they have the ideas that are going to take their teams to victory. That battle on the benches, the tactical battle this weekend, the approach the coaches take, not just before the game, but the in-game adjustments will be just as good as anything we see on the pitch. The battle of the minds from the benches. So keep an eye on that. That's all we have time for this week. Sounders away at LAFC on Sunday. Make sure you tune in for that. And we'll be back next week where there's two games. 
San Jose at home, and then again, LAFC here at CenturyLink Field. Hopefully, the Sounders will remain unbeaten the next time we speak again. I'm Steve Zakwani. This has been Winging It with Zakwani.